This is Nick Berlansky of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, and although I am a huge Pittsburgh Penguins and hockey fan, I'm also a huge fan of the NFL, who is getting ready for Super Bowl 55, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady, Antonio Brown versus Le'Veon Bell. For all the Pittsburgh fans listening, we'll have to see who we hate least, and that's who we'll root for in that game but if you're a pigskin fan the moment you've been waiting for all season is right around the corner and DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of super bowl 55 is bringing back their golden ticket giveaway with up to 55 million dollars in prizes up for grabs all you have to do is get your share of these huge prizes is enter DraftKings' free super bowl prediction challenge once you submit your picks you'll get a free instant prize up to twenty-five thousand. dollars Download the app now, enter the free prediction challenge, answer questions like who will score last, and boom, get ready to make it rain. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion, $7 billion with a B, to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge. Only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nicholas Horwat. And we do have some pretty big news for you today, some pretty surprising news for you today. And it does not happen to be the defensive signing of Yannick Weber. It is, in fact, the resigning of general manager Jim Rutherford from the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we will get into that as well as the matchup between the Penguins and the Bruins that happened on Tuesday. We'll also talk a little bit about what's coming up later tonight with Penn's Bruins, but we'll start with the Jim Rutherford news. Before we get into anything, though, I want to introduce my co-host, Nicholas J. Horwat. How are you doing, buddy? Doing well. It was a busy day, all thanks to Jim Rutherford. Uh, He turned my calm afternoon of doing nothing but playing video games and getting demolished in them to uh being busy up until i had to start working but so be it it was a rush it was awesome to be kind of involved in for a minute and yeah it was just a busy day so i'm just trying to mellow out here it's nice to be behind a microphone to mellow out and really get into details on this whole thing yeah that has to be a pretty surreal experience being you know on duty as a reporter in that in that area, especially in Pittsburgh for Entercom, and, and something like this coming across the wire, is this the biggest news you've reported on since you've been at Entercom? So the funny thing is, I didn't do this for Entercom. I've oh. done some pretty decent sized breaking news for Entercom. Most of the time, though, if it's big national stuff, they'll say pin something up from the AP because we get filtered AP posts. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on shift, I can say this, I was on shift whenever Biden was officially announced as the winner of the election. 
I was there for that. Uh, but whenever I say I was busy today, I mean I got a Slack chat message in the for the hockey writers asking mm-hmm. in our like Team Penguins group of who could who could cover the story. Um, I just jumped on it, and hey. about an hour and a half later, I had a story up. So hey. it was fun, and it's kind of a, it's a rush, really. I it's really it's what I want to do. So enjoyed every second of it, and. Um, I'm just now you got me thinking back of other big stories I covered at Intercom. <laughs> well, I guess we'll we'll digress on that for a different podcast yeah. while you while you're thinking about that. But you know, it, it it is really cool that you were there to cover that and and you covered it for the hockey writers. And I believe you put it up and and retweeted it on our our Instagram or not our Instagram our uh, Twitter account. So check that out at Iceberg Podcast and at Nick Horwat Forty One. Great story on the developing news from today. But let's get into this a little bit now. Jim Rutherford, of course, officially resigning for personal reasons. He took over initially as the general manager of the Penguins from Ray Shiro before the 2014-15 season. So this was to be his seventh season with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Jim Rutherford is a Hockey Hall of Famer in the Builders category. He's a Hall of Fame general manager. We've stated this several times. So he's had a great career. Built the back-to-back Stanley Cup champion teams in 2016 and 17. If you throw in his championship with the Carolina Hurricanes, that means he has three total Stanley Cups as a general manager. He's had a terrific career. We don't know if he's calling it quits on his whole career. He said he's taken some time before he decides that, but he did call it quits with the Pittsburgh Penguins resigning after, like I said, going into his seventh season. Horwat, what are your thoughts on the Jim Rutherford news? I mean, it was shocking to say the least. I mean, none of us were expecting it. And really, I mean, it was a shock to everyone. And that includes the people in the organization. Apparently, he and David Morehouse talked about it um, last night and that, you know, Rutherford's decision was made up and those were the only two people that knew. And not only were they the only two people that knew, um, Rutherford was working and moving and shaking up until the minutes before (laughs) it was announced, apparently. I mean, we know the Yannick Weber signing happened and Rutherford had a hand in that. He was a part of it. We know that, um, I forget who said it, but someone said he was talking trades this morning. So, and I say this morning as we record the same day that this all happened. So, he was out there working until the last possible minute. I mean, it's what he did, and he didn't give a reason for leaving. And that's, he doesn't need to, other than he cited personal reasons. And really, when asked about, you know, his reasons... He's told multiple people he doesn't want to elaborate on it. And that's interesting, to say the least. Apparently, there's also, there hasn't been, you know, arguments or um, other situations between Rutherford and other management. Like, it seems like none of that. It just seems a pure uh, one-man decision and obviously some family consulting. But that's it. It's just up to him. And he's 71 and in a pandemic ridden world who can blame him yeah that's a, that's a fair point the words of general manager jim rutherford i, ha- I have right here I'll, i figured i might as well read them off so everybody knows what he says uh, the quote from jim rutherford today after resigning as general manager of the penguins quote it has been a great honor to serve as the general manager of the penguins and to hang two more stanley cup banner- banners at ppg paints arena i have so many people to thank beginning with the owners Ron Burkle and Mario Lemieux and team president David Morehouse. 
there's always has been so much support from everyone involved with the Penguins, both on the hockey and business staffs, and of course, from a special group of players led by Sidney Crosby, end quote. So, seems like he's departing, but the same way he came in, the same way he conducted business the whole way through, oozing class, oozing, you know, professionalism. There's going to be a shortage of Fiji waters wherever he goes. <laughs> There's going to be a surplus of Fiji waters at PPG Paints Arena. But we will miss Jim Rutherford. We thank him for everything he's done. And it's been a, it's been a crazy ride. And if I have to ask you, and I want to hear your honest reaction, and it might be a stupid question, what do you think the biggest move Rutherford has made in his tenure with the Pittsburgh Penguins? I feel like it's kind of an obvious Phil Kessel trade, is it not? The Phil Kessel one was huge, and I understand that one. I lean toward – the Phil Kessel one's definitely there, but I lean toward the Mike Sullivan signing because, I mean, anyone could have told you. Any GM would have hopped in on, oh, Phil Kessel's on the trading block? All right, let's figure out what it takes to get him. Anyone could have done that. It's kind of how uh, general managers get prep, get props for making big number one overall picks. Like, no, no normally the number one overall pick is obvious. You don't need to – give the GM a pat on the back for that. Not saying Jim Rutherford doesn't deserve credit for Phil Kessel because he absolutely does. It was a huge part of his tenure here and what became of Pittsburgh. But I look at the Mike Sullivan one as without a head coach like that behind this team, who knows who's on this team? Who knows if Matt Murray gets the call up at the right time? Who knows if Rust and Sherry get their time? Who knows kind of what the dichotomy of the team looks like and just the Sullivan signing and eventual promotion um kind of solidified i think this team as the back-to-back cup winners going into and as well as going into the future not only the few years after that but the future from now so that's all got rutherford's hands on it and i would say the sullivan signing is probably his highlight here yeah the promotion of mike sullivan at the time was looked at as basically okay you're the you're going to be the head coach for now they might go somewhere later. Let's see, is a, is a touch-and-go basis. And now you look at Mike Sullivan, who is knocking on the door as being one of the most successful, if not already considered one of the most or the most successful coach in Pittsburgh Penguins history. And there have been some very impressive names in that slot. So, of course, that was a great move. I, I highlighted the Phil Kessel move for the very reason. It, it was the centerpiece move after his first season. He's, one of his first moves was bringing... Patrick Hornfist to the Pittsburgh Penguins. A lot of people forget that that happened oh, yeah. prior to the Phil Kessel move. And that was a huge move. I mean, I mean, we saw the entire you know, dichotomy and the entire resolution to that as well. But the Phil Kessel move, it brought in that third superstar, if you will, that kind of helped lead the HBK line in 2016. Him and Malkin were great in 2017. And, you know, even though Phil Kessel left on not the greatest of circumstances that you would want to see a star player leave, it was still three years of crazy good hockey from a player like Phil Kessel. And then he went and recouped the guy that he traded for. He didn't even have to develop yeah. this guy in Kasperi Kaplan, who, as we'll talk about later, scored his first goal as a Pittsburgh Penguin on Tuesday. But just thank you again to Jim Rutherford. It's hard to put into words how much his work has meant to the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. He was a great general manager. He was always great for quotes. It's nice seeing a general manager who's going to be honest with you. I mean, over 50 moves in six seasons. And that's just trades. Let's not even forget the fact that there are signings and everything else involved with that, waiver claims. 
that's just trades. Over 50 trades. There's a reason we called him Trader Jim. And yep. just a congratulations to him on leaving on his own terms. We'll see if that is the end for him in hockey. Something tells me that he might have something else up his sleeve. He might have something else he wants to do. But congratulations to him. And just want to say that one more time before we move on to talking about his replacements. Yeah, it's very weird. I mean, I think it's the timing of it is also very weird considering the interim was signed on to be the assistant general manager uh, two months ago, really. Mm-hmm. And now he's not only the interim guy, but is a candidate for the job. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of candidates for the job, but I guess he's a big one of them. And, I mean, if I want to throw in a verbal meme here, Patrick Alvin was definitely like, boy, that escalated quickly. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Patrick Alvin is the man you're talking about. We talked about it on this very show when Alvin was kind of lifted up to the AGM status, which is this this was his first season as AGM, as you mentioned. And it was kind of surprising because we all thought Botterill was going to be coming in into that role, but they elevated Alvin. And when that happened, we discussed on this very show, do you think this is a guy that could possibly be the general manager to take over for Jim Rutherford whenever that may be, probably down the road? Well, two months later, that day is here. And as of right now, Patrick Alvin is the general manager. He's the interim general manager for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like we said, it was his first season as assistant general manager, so it's moved up a lot quicker for him than he probably expected. But as far as we know with Alvin, and we'll reiterate some of the stuff we talked about when he got the AGM position, he has been a big presence at the Penguins draft table for the past few NHL drafts. It's been a while that he has been kind of integral to the drafting and development and prospect watch for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So he's definitely somebody who has his finger on the pulse for the Pens. And he's also worked closely with general manager Jim Rutherford for a while as well. So he knows exactly where Rutherford wanted to take this team and his thoughts on this team and his reasons for constructing the team the way it is. So Alvin's going to be able to step in and hit the ground running, if I would say so myself. But for Alvin himself, he's also responsible for the big rush of Scandinavian players recently to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Emil Larmy, Yuso Rikula, the two draft picks this year, Blomqvist and Klang, that's a lot of it produced by the fact that Patrick Alvin is in the positions that he's been in, but he's been with the Penguins since 2006 in some capacity. So it's mm-hmm. a guy that's been around since almost as long as Sidney Crosby. So there is a, a level of trust that to me goes in with seeing somebody that's been with the organization for now almost 15 years. Yeah. It's, he knows the ropes. There's all, that's all there is to it. And I mean, even if he didn't, he just this season after signing on to be AGM, he was working closely with Rutherford in all aspects of everything. He was getting to know everything. He's probably going to be a GM of the league one day. Who knows how, when that one day is, maybe it's, you know, speeding up the process a little bit here, but down the road, I think it was obvious it was going to happen. But on top of that, now he's going to have, I don't know how good or bad this may be. I mean, we don't know how this works. He's got Mario Lemieux breathing down his neck and helping with every decision. So I loved that they put that out there. They, they said, yeah, Patrick Alvin hasn't been a general manager, but, you know, he has Mario Lemieux helping him too. So I think he's pretty good in that category. I was like, that's just such a humble brag to say that, yeah, we, we got this guy that's one of the top three players of all time. He'll just – he'll throw his opinion in there too if we need it. So we're the quote, Yeah, the <laughs> quote was from Morehouse, Mario Lemieux is going to act as a backup. I hated that way of putting it 
personally because Lemieux backs up nobody. Not even that. Just he is a starter in every sense of the word. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> not even that. It's just when you think of backup, you think, well, if this guy fumbles, that's who you put in. Yeah, okay. that's true. That kinda, Especially in a sports term, like that's yeah, that almost kind of denotes a lack of confidence. But I don't think that's how it was intended. Yeah, I mean. And also, on top of that, like, you hear Mary Lemieux being the backup. All of the comparisons are immediately drawn to Wayne Gretzky as a head coach. Well, that didn't work out. Well, he had a shit team. That and Mary Lemieux's been the owner for a while. So, to, to think that he hasn't had a, you know, a say in some of this stuff is to be completely oblivious to the fact that he's the three-time Stanley Cup champion owner. Yeah, I mean, who knows how much interaction he has in the day-to-day of a GM, mm-hmm. but... He'll have a little more now, and obviously he's had to have known something at some point. I mean, being behind the scenes for that long, you're, you're not doing nothing back there. You're not just funneling money. In, you're not the Molsons. You're not just funneling money into the organization and telling them to go at it. You're doing something, especially when you live in the same town and, you know, do all that. So when it comes to replacements for Jim Rutherford in the long term, we know that Patrick Alvin is the interim general manager, and he is a name that will probably get interest by the Penguins, and he'll probably get interviewed, and we'll see how he does with this for the main job. So there's a chance that it could just be Patrick Alvin, and it's an easy answer. But there's been a lot of names in the past. The news broke, at least to me, the news broke three hours ago, but the news broke about seven or eight hours ago. There's been at least over 30 names that I've seen as legit contenders for this position from legit journalists. Some of the names I've seen for, from in-house, there's Alvin, of course, we already mentioned. Ryan Bonus, who is the Penguins' head scout currently. Sam Ventura, who is massive on analytics, and he has worked his way up in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization as well. And he's still there as one of the big spearheads for analytics for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then we've seen some, some names that are familiar, but not currently in the system. You look at Jason Botterill, who just signed on with the Seattle Kraken. Could he potentially be interested in coming back was so he was somebody we expected to come back for the agm role now the gm position's open will he get a sniff at that i also saw somebody say billy garen which i don't i listen we can all hope and we can all dream but billy garen is finally getting the pieces he wants in the places that he wants in minnesota there's zero chance i think that he even asks or offers up to get an interview for this job so as much as it would be nice to see billy garen is the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's not happening, at least not now. He is fully invested in Minnesota, and if he's not, I'm not sure you want a guy that'll jump ship when a better opportunity arises like that. So, and Garrett's not that guy anyway, so it's not going to matter. And then I've seen some other names, you know, Ron Hextall, George Murphy is an idea, but, you know, it's going to be a process. And the Penguins weren't willing to give a timetable. They said, we're going to go through this process a lot of people said they're not willing to really let the process drag on, but at the same time, they're saying they don't have a timetable. I mean, after, I would suspect this would happen after this season. What do you think? They want it to be fast. They want it to be immediate almost, and they're casting a wide net apparently from in from internal and external. I mean, I don't know who's out there. I don't know who would even be a good option. I mean, they said the only... Um, thing they're looking for is someone who can win the Stanley Cup and honestly good that's a good starter from there you just got to find the right fit got to find the right guy you got to find someone who's going to help the team now as well it's 
yeah, you're looking for a replacement right now, but you are looking for a replacement that's got to have a basically a building contract because we don't know what the future of this team is. Who knows? Do we want to fall into a rebuild in the next couple seasons? Do we want to try and keep winning in the next couple seasons? I think that's the obvious answer, but sometimes some teams just say we have to do it. And who knows what this organization will be doing in the next couple seasons, especially if, you know, the play from Latang continues to be horrendous. We'll get it. If if Malkin (laughs) doesn't kick his schneid. I mean, those are two names off the cuff that I know have, I mean, their contracts end the same year. But, I mean, at the same time, we cannot tell Crosby, hey, we're going to lose for a year. We can't tell him that. So... It's you got to find someone who's going to be able to, if the rebuilding process does begin, and Lord knows Crosby wouldn't be be okay with it, but if that's the process that begins, we got to find someone who's really good at building a team, not just a guy who can, you know, do the X's and O's right now and call it a day, because mm-hmm. that's kind of what Rutherford was. I feel like, I mean, yeah, he's great at building a team, but given his age and the at the time of the hire the already cemented legacy of the team and the organization, he didn't have to build too much. And, you know, as we get into, like, nowadays, yeah, he had to do a little more building because, I mean, the teams that won the Cup were essentially the same. I think we've discussed that before. They were basically the same, plus a Jake Gensel. (laughs) Essentially, yeah. And a Ron Hainsey, let's not forget that. Yeah, but beyond that, I mean he's had to do a bit more of a building process and it's that's kind of the point we're at where we got to find a builder not just someone who's going to make a couple moves punch some x's and o's and move on it's time to find a builder in this organization and using guys that can that know analytics more than i do that um, are looking at more than just good players and are looking at more than just contracts you got to get the whole guy in here not saying rutherford didn't do any of that i'm saying that's what you got to continue with because we're a podcast that want to see us keep winning. Screw a rebuild if we can. <laughs> but uh, we don't want to see the team be bad, and neither do neither does the rest of the organization. So, By no means do we want to diminish Jim Rutherford's successes here, and I know that's not where you were trying to do. Absolutely. But there is a factor of, well, that team – it's the Pittsburgh Penguins with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Chris mm-hmm. Tang and, and, you know, Phil Kessel and stuff like that. It kind of makes it a little bit easier to sign players. It, it does. I would yeah. imagine that's, that's pretty, makes it a lot easier, you know. Also, oh, that organization is owned by Mario Lemieux. That organization is in a hockey town that has proven to be very supportive of its team, especially when it's succeeding. So it, it's an attractive place to come play. So there's those factors going for you and it's an attractive place to be a general manager. And that's why this net can be so wide. Multiple people today said, this is a job that is going to gain and garner a lot of interest. And it already has, and it's going to over this process. That's why I don't think they're willing to put a timetable on it because they don't want to make a decision. And then somebody else come out of the woodwork that they would have preferred in the first place. So they're trying to see, and trying to vet probably 20, 30 guys right off the bat within 24 hours of Rutherford. Rutherford might not have even gotten home if he even if he even went to the office today. He might not have even gotten home, and there was probably already 12, 13, 14 calls 
to David Morehouse and, and Mario Lemieux and Ron Burkle saying, hey, I'd like to throw my hat in the ring. Hey, you know, this and that and everything in between. But the way this season is structured, Rutherford said he would have liked to get 20 games into the season to be able to see where this team is at. If you bring in somebody from the outside, then you have to learn everything. Okay, what's yeah. the prospect pool look like? What's the AHL Wilkesboro team look like? What even what does Wheeling look like right now? We need to learn everything and then evaluate that on a shortened schedule. We're seven games into a fifty-six game schedule. It is still very early, but it is a quick turnaround. So you don't want a guy that's gonna come in, in my opinion, that's gonna come in and have to evaluate all of these things. Meanwhile, the season is just trekking on and on and on with that trade deadline coming up. And you need to be able to evaluate this team as is and help them go win a Stanley Cup. So it to me, I would wait. I, I understand that they're not in the position right now that they feel like they should wait. I would wait until after the season. I would actually wait till right after the expansion draft. I would let Patrick Alvin handle this season and the expansion draft. What better tryout for him? I mean Yeah. It, and handle the expansion draft, and then in between the expansion draft and the NHL draft, bring in whoever you're going to bring in, whether that's Alvin again, or if it's somebody else. Yeah, and I mean, this is a tryout, basically. I mean, we we already said it. Like, he could be a GM in the league one day. Who knows where exactly? And apparently he's got full control. He's got the GM position. It's He's got ability to trades. He's got ability to set lineup situations, or I should say rosters. He's going to have his hand in everything. Granted, yes, Mary Lemieux is going to be back there. But for what it's worth, it's Alvin's team for the moment, really. It's him. It's his decision to start making building moves. I mean, if we wake up tomorrow and... There's a huge new blockbuster trade we're involved in. We're thinking, okay, this guy's really trying to set his resume immediately. Yeah, that would definitely be a statement. I mean, it's he's almost in the king for a day situation where he's got the keys to the castle. Do what you want with it. You're not here forever. But please, God, don't sink the ship. <laughs> That's how he, this whole situation kind of looks for in his perspective. If he does a good job and we bring him back, cool. Then clearly he's doing something right because, again, they know, these people know more than we do. But um, I think it'll be fun. And I like the idea that it's just a cake for a day situation for him. It's it's a tryout offer. It's, um, it's interesting. And guess what his first order of business is going to be? Hey, all of our defensemen are injured jeez oh, yeah here's a new guy here's a new guy coming in from nashville i was about to say rutherford gave him a party gift here's another defenseman that is an nhl caliber defenseman yeah Try and it. yeah and wait until everyone's healthy and now you have that surplus good luck because <laughs> moves will have to be made i'm assuming i don't know it's all very weird strange and yeah just ha the idea of I, want, I keep saying alvin and then i keep wanting to say camara I was going to say and the chipmunks, but there's that one too. <laughs> All of the names have come to mind, but um, yeah, but the idea of Alvin having the keys to the castle right now, it's going to be fun. I say we just keep an eye on it. I mean, he had his hands in everything so far this year. So from the point of signing as AGM until now, think of all those moves that have been made. I mean, I don't think it's been many, but, 
but it's something. And I mean, hey, maybe he's the one that set the taxi squad roster, which I get has two goalies that really don't have NHL experience. But for what it's worth, Drew O'Connor and Pio Joseph started on there, and they've both looked pretty good so far. Thank you to injuries. And we've talked a lot about this, and we'll move on here in just a yeah. second. A couple things that I want to mention right before we move on to the Pens versus Bruins game that happened on Tuesday. For one, I'm going to be using the Alvin and the Chipmunks thing every time there's a move now made on our Twitter. So follow Great. us at Iceberg <laughs> Podcast if you want to see a continuous Alvin and the Chipmunks-themed response to every move that Patrick Alvin makes. Secondly, we knew Jim Rutherford was not the guy to be here once the team was getting ready to, to break it down and build it back up again. We, we mm-hmm. knew he was going to go with the contendership for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we knew his time was numbered. We didn't expect it to be that soon, but... That sudden? Yeah, one, one last time, just a, a thank you to him for all he did. Uh, we wish him, his entire family, continued health, especially through this pandemic, and uh, we'll send you some Fiji water, Jim. <laughs> We'll miss you, bud. I mean, uh, that bobblehead's out of reach, but, you know, we all got that Jim Rutherford bobblehead. It's got two important things on it, a ring and a phone. So, honestly, what else sums up his tenure? Exactly, exactly. But let's get into the Pens versus Bruins. They lost on Tuesday after four straight wins. They finally lost. They do have a point streak of five games, though, so that's not bad. They lose 3-2 to two in overtime to the Boston Bruins in yet another comeback to at least get a point couple interesting storylines took place on Tuesday. Of course, you mentioned one earlier. Drew O'Connor makes his NHL debut. He played just over 10 minutes of ice time and notched, similar to P.O. Joseph a couple games ago, notched his first NHL assist in the third on a secondary assist. Borat, what did you think of your boy, Drew O'Connor, in his first game? It was fun to see. It's fun to watch. I mean, he was not only out there for regular 5-on-5. He had some power play and penalty kill time. Mm-hmm. Both. It's, I mean, I don't know if it was much. I didn't really track numbers. But it's impressive. It's good to see that from him. And, yeah, it was a secondary assist. Yeah, Tukarask was injured on the play. Who cares? Um, It was still a play that needed to be made and a play that was made. And it set us in the right direction. I mean, it's a first point for him. It's the first of hopefully many in his career, and at least this season. I kicked... <laughs> It kicked uh, Jason Zucker off the schneid because everyone's kind of been, well, just calling it in, it seems, this season. But, hey, you know what? They don't ask how. They ask how many. <laughs> Tuka Rask was on his stomach, and you still got to hit an open net. Um, but, yes, Drew O'Connor being out there for, like I said, not only 5-on-5, five five, but the power play and the penalty kill. That shows something. That shows that they think this kid can do something. They're not just holding him off the ice entirely. I mean, hey, if you're going to play him, play him. Like, yeah. if, if you're going to put the kid in the lineup, play him as you would play a fourth liner. And he could do penalty kill. He got second power play minutes, which is pretty impressive for a kid making his, his debut. So, yeah, uh, I, I saw nothing wrong with the way he played. I'm sure he's going to be in the lineup come tonight's game on Thursday against the Boston Bruins. But uh, you also mentioned Jason Zucker. Finally finds himself on the score sheet. One goal, one assist. Two-point game for Zucker. How important is it for the Pens to have him firing on all cylinders this season? It's vitally important. We saw what he could do last year in 12 12 games, 15 games, whatever it was. We saw what he can do. This dude can shoot the puck. He can make plays. He's a 
great hockey player that, who for whatever reason, had a slow start. And that happens. That's fine. It's just a, it's the wrong season to do it in. That's all that is. For what it's worth, he's been picking up assists, which is good. I mean, everyone's picking up assists, and the team still hasn't looked that great. But he finally, you know, pocketed a goal, and now it's time to turn it around. I said it with uh, Rust and Gensel before. Rust went on a five-game point streak. Gensel seems to be picking up some pace. And I can only think of two players left that really need to turn it around now. We'll, we'll get to that in a second, but firstly, with Zucker, yeah, it is very important for him to be really good. One, because that was one of Jim Rutherford's last great moves before he left, of course, and we want to see him do well because Zucker, as you mentioned, 12 points in 15 games last season, and he's a guy that it's not necessarily the fact that he struggled this season. It's the fact that he struggled to finish this season because he is a guy that has created plays. He has created opportunities for himself. But he just hasn't been able to put the puck in the back of the net. You mentioned he has a couple assists. He's made some great passes that Evgeny Malkin was not able to put in the back of the net. Brian Rust, before he got hot, was not able to put in the back of the net. So it's not the fact that Jason Zucker has been playing poorly. It's the fact that he hasn't been able to put it all together and the numbers just aren't there. But anybody who has watched the Penguins in these first seven games can realize the fact that Jason Zucker has played well. He's not played to the best of his ability, but he's also not played to the worst of his ability. He's played well, and now you hope to see, like you said, that cascading number of goals, cascading number of assists, just starting to tick up on Jason Zucker. So you're hoping that that's what happens. It was good to see him score. It's important for the Penguins because you have that first line who we'll talk about that is now looking like a first line in the NHL. You have to have that second line. And if Evgeny Malkin is going to play the way he has been, you need Jason Zucker to help try to elevate him, try to open some things up. So Malkin, the only way to get out of it, the same way Russ did it, shoot your way out of a slump. And that's what Evgeny Malkin is going to have to do. And as far as the turnovers and everything else is concerned, he just needs to get his head out of his butt. And and that's, that, that's the big thing for Evgeny Malkin. You let it off. I'll let you just continue with it. What two players have you seen that need to pick their game up? Listen, man, I will defend Crystal Tang till the day I die, but he needs to start helping himself out. Okay, I can't just be me on Twitter anymore. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I love Crystal Tang. He is the franchise's best defenseman ever. It's, But, I mean, I know I've said before that I think his game's going to fall off a cliff. Damn it, I didn't expect it to be now. I, I know it's not now. I just don't know what the hell is going on. Are his, you know, mistakes getting amplified a little bit maybe a little but for what it's worth he hasn't played great this season whatsoever him and Dumoulin both really haven't um, but more or less Chris Letang I look at as he is the leader of the defensive core on this team well guess what now all of our defensemen are getting injured so you got to be the one that turns your own game around be a leader and subsequently everyone else should kind of feel that wave of turning of turning their games around you can't use the um, injury for the rest of the defense. You can't use the injury excuse forever, because again, Theo Joseph looks pretty good so far. Who knows what's going on with John Marino yet? This is a little. That's a little scary right now. Uh, Brian Dumoulin's getting evaluated. It's all very ride. It's all riding on him at this point, mm-hmm. because out of everyone I just named, holy shit! Wait, he's the only. 
He would be the only... St- only like, defenseman that started in the opener that's still yep. playing right now. Yes. Aside from CC, but he saw his time off the ice, so he's exactly. not counted there. Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay, so that's not good. No. It could be Chris Letang and literally his band of married men. We could have a whole Winnipeg Jets situation going on here very, very soon. The only difference is Neil Pionk is a little bit more defensively responsible than what we've seen of Chris Letang lately. And Chris Letang is, and we know Chris Letang is a solidified good player at one point or another. And it's a solidified star. Where Neil, where Neil Pionk, it was his coming out party. This is a little different of a situation for him because we, because Letang has to prove himself. Neil Pionk didn't have to prove himself. He just did. Chris Letang is needs to kick it and get back in gear and as for the other name i wanted to mention malkin okay you're getting a couple assists here and there you had one bomb of a goal uh now is the time to play smarter i guess look like you want to be playing i don't know i've i've only seen one game beginning to end this year and it was also hampered by a football game so i really haven't seen a ton of hockey live so far this season. I've worked during every game. but And I'm going to be working again for tomorrow's game. But that being said, you can tell me, how has Malkin looked bad so far this season? He's looked... To say he's not looked like himself is an understatement. Because we've seen him play like this before. But that's maybe a shift or two. And then he gets mad, either takes a penalty or goes all Malkamania on people. Mm-hmm. This season... There's just no fire there to get – there's not him getting pissed off at his own performance and showing it on the ice. He might be not – he might not be happy, but he's not showing it right now. I mean, obviously there's going to be frustration, but the way that he's playing is not only dumb with the puck. He's not only turning the puck over and putting his team at a disadvantage time after time. Even in the offensive zone, he's not doing it much productive. He's had spurts where he can carry the puck the right way, but – He's losing his edges. He's making bad passes. He's not being able to receive passes. He's getting the puck knocked off his stick very quickly. All things that you would never expect to see from Evgeny Malkin, especially in Evgeny Malkin coming off the season we just watched him have. So to say that he has struggled is an understatement. It is seven games into the season. There has been no training camp. There was no preseason games eventually that excuse runs out. I will still give him the benefit of the doubt because he is a player that thrives off of fan interaction and the fans at the game, and that is lacking this year, obviously. But at the same time, you need to get your crap together because everybody else is dealing with the same exact thing, and everybody else is starting to pick their game up. You mentioned Rust, five-game point streak. Jake Gensel, even when he was struggling, he was a shootout specialist. Sidney Crosby has been consistent since game two at the very least. Even game one, he had that great goal against Carter Hart where he just did a Sidney Crosby thing. I don't even need to talk about that anymore. But Evgeny Malkin needs to find a way to get better because this team does not win. This team does not make the playoffs if Evgeny Malkin plays this way for 49 more games. Yeah, that's damn true. I mean, we know he can be better. We know this isn't the end of the road, man. It's it's interesting. It's so He's uh, there's no words I can really describe what kind of player Malkin is. Mm-hmm. Inconsistent doesn't you don't want to say the word inconsistent because you know he's not at times. Maybe that's just the literal definition of inconsistent though. So there's that. <laughs> to say Malkin is inconsistent is 
half true. You also know he's one of the best players of the last decade and a half. So, and no, another thing too is Malkin thrives on when teammates are injured. I mean, he did it last season. He thrives when one teammate is injured, and let's not wish that upon our team right now. <laughs> we're not, but we're. I'm thinking maybe you know that's when Gino does his best work. Maybe he can just kind of use that sort of mentality. Like we're about to start playing with a bunch of rookie defensemen and Crystal Tang and Yannick Weber. It's time to figure it out. And Chad Ruweedle. Let's 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 not. Dad Ruweedle is still there being a superhero on the third pairing. Let's not forget that. Yeah, and Chad. Yeah. But I don't know. We're I'm just hoping for the best all around. Malkin's got to turn it around. Um, but more or less, I think he's more likely to turn it around. I'll give him that because we know he can. We've seen it. I will give it to you when the chips are down. Evgeny Malkin seems to rise his level of play. That has basically been the story of his career. So I, I understand what you're saying there. Let's let's see it and let's hope we see it. We still have a couple things to talk about. With the Pens versus Bruins game on Tuesday, Tristan Jari, of course, a lot has been documented about the start he had in Philadelphia to his season. After the performance he had on Tuesday, which I thought was a pretty good performance, 33 saves on 36 shots. You look yeah. at the goals that were allowed. Marshan's goal is a good goal. Shorthanded, you shouldn't be allowed that shot from there. But Marshan just beat him. The five-on-three goal for, for Richie. What are you going to do? It's five-on-three. Dive. On three. What a dive. It, Sorry. Marshan's a rat. Anyway. You do what you can do at that point, honestly. And then the game-winning goal was on a 2-0 on in overtime. So I take nothing away from Tristan Jari's performance on Tuesday. I think he played pretty well. I don't think the Philadelphia performances are quite in the rear view yet. I think that's still cognizant in a lot of people's brains. But he's trending upward, and that's what the Penguins need. Yeah, I mean, as long as his goals against average is still starting with an eight which i believe it still is <laughs> yeah, it's above seven yeah i mean i'm trying to pull it up as fast as i can um but as long as his goals against average is above an eight or is or is that an eight the opening two games are still going to be there but yeah. we know he can turn that around he's currently at an 868 it's a lot better than his like 745 and 7.68 goals allowed average that he had whenever we came back from philly Exactly. So, um, I mean, yeah, it's turning around. And granted, it's kind of easy as a goalie to be above an eight, but that's it. You started at a seven, seven, eight after one game. Hmm. You went to a five hundred the next. So things weren't looking good. Now we have to just keep an eye on once he hits that nine marker. Then, assuming it's soon, that's whenever we say, all right, those first two games are in the past. We're moving on. And the Penguins need that to be soon, especially with the... We've already discussed the defense right now, and that that is why we need Tristan Jari to be on his game, at least moving forward through the next couple of weeks until we can start getting people healthy. Let's finish off the game really quickly. Sperry Kapanen scores his first goal as a Pittsburgh Penguin. Almost scored his first goal a little bit earlier on a breakaway. Didn't get it. Then Malkin feeds him a second time. He beats the goaltender. And they again... This should be the new slogan of the show. They don't ask how, but they ask how many. And he did whiff on his backhand attempt, but luckily the trajectory of the puck just went straight into the net. Sperry Kapanen, it looked beautiful at first. Let's not slow it down and make it look like he accidentally bumble-crapped his way into a goal, but it is basically what happened. A good move nonetheless, good attempt. 
He gets the goal. It all counts the same. It's one on the scoreboard. Congratulations, Kasperi Kapanen. Let's see more of that. Absolutely. And for what it's worth, he's played, been playing well. He's played very in the well. Lineup, everywhere in the lineup he's been, everyone he's played with. This is going to be fun to watch. I'm excited. I'm, I'm very excited. His speed excites me a lot, and, and the general speed of this team now is exciting me a lot and a lot more. Whenever I saw the forward lineup on Tuesday, whenever they released the lines, I don't know why. I got excited. I thought it looked really good. I enjoyed them. It made me happy to be a Penguins fan. Not that I wasn't before, because I'm a little spoiled as a Penguins fan, aren't we all? But it made me happy seeing those lines. I thought, wow, this these are lines I can get behind saying they could be a contender. Still need to show me it. But there are lines that are trending in the right direction. Let's talk about the Pens power play because it went 0 for 6 on Tuesday. And that is not a good number by any means. But is their power play a concern thus far into the season? Do you think that this was an anomaly of a game compared to what you've seen the previous six? Or do you think that there is still a problem on the Pens power play that Todd Reardon has yet to fix? Did I hear it wrong that it was the leading power play going into into that game? I don't believe that was wrong. They were third or fourth on Sunday. I don't remember seeing where they were at on Tuesday. Okay, okay so for what it is worth at seven games into the season, seven, I'll say it was an anomaly for now <laughs> because of seven games into the season. Pretty much every team is seven games into the season, um, and one of our games we didn't even get a power play so add that to it um we're being we're that high in the league which is kind of where we should be whenever we have that kind of firepower i think i really do think that game was just an anomaly i mean just but at the same time just shoot the damn thing that's <laughs> been the issue the first two the first two power plays there were no shots on them none and you gave up a shorty Cool. We're, we did that last season. We're leaving that there. Last season, we were always having the jokes of, can we just turn down this power play? Can penalty we just say no? Penalty declined? Question mark. Is that a thing? Can we? Can we honestly like? Does like football? You can decline a penalty. Can you do that in hockey? I don't think there's any tactical reasoning there, but uh, I don't, unfortunately, at least. That being said, it, I just think it was an anomaly. I think we're fine. Just so long as we shoot, we shoot the puck a little more. That's it. I mean, maybe change the system a little bit. I get we have a wide umbrella now, or it's nothing but passes. But with the firepower and the fact that we were at one point third or fourth, it's fine. Let's kick it up literally the next game. We'll start having the real discussion of how bad it is on the Monday episode. The thing is, this was an anomaly to me so far this season. Exactly. It did raise some issues. Look, going forward, it raised some issues that could be something that will need fixed. But at the same mm -hmm. time, the way that I've seen this power play this season, it is different than last year, which it definitely needed to be. I think what Todd Reardon has done has kind of instilled a more useful version of the breakout that the Pens had last year. They do it a little bit better, and I think part of that is not having Hornquist, but having Brian Rust on that first unit. You can enter the zone with speed from any five of your players on the ice at that point. And I think I've seen, not I think, I have seen an improvement to the Pens' power play, specifically their breakout. Whenever they get it in the zone, skill takes over. Whenever you're set up, skill takes over, and that shouldn't be an issue. 
again, shoot the puck because otherwise you're not going to score a goal and you might even give up a goal. But I don't have an issue with where the Penguins' power play is at as of right now. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. The point of concern, like I said, is if it doesn't improve by the time we record for Monday. Correct. Yeah, if we go through the whole weekend and a couple more games and that's still a problem, then there's you need to take a little bit more of a magnified look at what the issue is, especially if you're getting six power plays a game. Now, I understand that on Sunday they got zero power plays, which was crazy, but, you know, six in one hand, half dozen in the other, but... The last thing I want to talk about is kind of the injury news here. On Tuesday, Brian Dumlin left in the third period, being evaluated for a lower body injury. John Marino did not practice on Wednesday. We'll see if he's available for game time on Thursday. That could be another issue. A lot of negatives. The Pittsburgh Penguins are set to use their 10th and possibly their 11th defenseman already in their eighth game. So that could be an issue, obviously. Luckily, it seems like on the injury front, some help is on the way. Mike Matheson and Zach Aston Reese are currently traveling with the team again, and both are practicing. Zach Aston Reese is practicing in a normal jersey. Mike Matheson is out there in a non-contact jersey. So with all the injuries, it's nice to see somebody progressing back to the healthy standard. Like I said, the Penguins are, are going to start their 10th defenseman. That's probably going to be Kevin Churchman in tomorrow's game. If Yannick Weber has to play because John Marino is injured, I'm not sure how they're going to shuttle him up there. I'm not sure what COVID protocols are, yeah, but he will probably end up playing in the next week or so, which will be now 11 defensemen the Penguins have used in just, what, three, four weeks of play? So it is definitely not something that's good, but hopefully Matheson comes back healthy. He can jump in there. Hopefully P.O. Joseph continues to play the way he does. Chad Ruedel continues to play he does. And hopefully Brian Dumoulin and John Marino are okay and can come back into the lineup, especially because they've both been struggling a little bit early on. You don't want to see them have to deal with an injury immediately following that. So hopefully they're all right. They can come in. They can play. Did you think anything of the Yannick Weber signing? I'm not going to go too deep into it. I know he's a guy that has NHL experience. He's a guy that can step in kind of as a plug until we get some guys back. Did you have any thoughts on the Yannick Weber signing, the last official move of general manager Jim Rutherford? Um, no, I didn't think too much about it. I actually thought, cool, we could use another defenseman, considering everything. I think, and considering everything, and the fact that I heard Vince Dunn was an option, and I thought that's a guy. But at the same time, trading for a defenseman right now is really not a good idea because everyone's going to get healthy eventually. Don't trade from a position of. Don't trade for a position of weakness from a position of strength, and St. Louis needs forwards, and I'm cool with the forwards we have. Sorry. Plus, I mean, yeah, we're signing a guy, and that adds to the surplus of defensemen, but... You're not giving anything up. Yeah, and not only that, he's a variable contract that could sit in the taxi squad because that's fine. I enjoyed the signing. I thought it was good for, the, good for what we need, which is, holy shit, a defenseman. <laughs> yeah. And on top of that, I mean... I, the, the release that I saw, at least, didn't mention anything about a quarantine. I'm assuming he has to. I didn't to. see anything either, but, I mean, he's coming from Nashville's system, so it's not like he has to cross country lines. He might have to quarantine for a couple days before joining the team, but if he was already in protocol with Nashville, I don't see why that would be much of an issue. I just It probably just depends. I mean, I know if you do a tr- – I just – I mean, maybe this is just stuff we forgot. 
there's a lot of legalese that goes into this season, and I really don't have the time or the energy to explain it. I'm sorry if you want to know it, it is available somewhere, but it, yeah, it would be very it. planned if we explained every protocol. Yeah. Before we go and move on to our shout-outs and call-outs after a quick break, there was a point that the group text that me, you, and friend of the show Doug Gladkey have, he made a point, or that even asked a question, I don't know how, how it, it came about, but when the Pens defense, or if the Pens defense, is ever healthy, 100%, has P.O. Joseph done enough in your eyes to earn a spot in the lineup or earn a chance to stay in the lineup? You know, I want to see a little more first. Like I said, I haven't been able to watch a full game yet, really. Like, I haven't been able to sit down and watch all 60 minutes of a game, so I don't really know what he's done. I've had to watch a ton of highlights and work from that, from what I've seen so far. Obviously, he's looked decent. He's looked good. Got an assist in his first game and a huge assist at that. From there, it just goes, how's his defensive play? How's he looking? I mean, we know he's a Brian Dumoulin type, but needs to build the weight still. He's only like a buck seventy, I think. Um, so I, if he has earned a spot to remain on this roster, oof, I will come back to that in a couple games. I'd say for now, it's still a work in progress. And... Um, I mean, guys like Yuso Ricola could still use a roster spot as well. So who really knows? Like I said, it's a work in progress. Get back to me in a little bit. For now, for now, I don't think. Just because of hockey politics and we have such a surplus now. Even by adding Weber to the mix now. It's been three games to me. So same thing that you you said. I need to see more. And obviously, there he's going to have the chance still. We don't know yeah. when they're even going to have enough players back to where it even warrants taking P.O. Joseph out of the lineup because everybody's out week to week. Pedersen's week to week. Rekel is longer term. Matheson, they said, was longer term. It's been a week and a half, and now he's skating. So we'll see how that all adds up. But it's been three games. And, yes, he's been very impressive. And, yes, he's played very well. I mean, he has a Corsi of 55.1%, which is for all of you that don't really like analytics and you don't have to that's really good especially whenever you're starting in the defensive zone 78 percent of the time so you're controlling the puck over 50 percent of the time when 80 percent of the time you're starting without it or in your own zone that's pretty good to me and and yes small sample size three games but he's been impressive so far as mm -hmm. much as i'd like to say when everybody gets healthy yeah i mean this is our best defensive prospect he's shown that he can hack it let him hack it like there's there's an argument for that but at the same time, it has to be where the team is at, how he has progressed from here on forward, and if there's a better option. Is Yuso Rikula a better option? I don't think as of right now. I think he's done enough to pass Yuso Rikula. Has he done enough to consistently pass a guy like Mike Matheson? In the fans' eyes, yes, <laughs> because he showed up on the ice and his name wasn't Mike Matheson. It doesn't get paid that amount of money. Yep, And because... People like P.O. Joseph, which is good. He's a likable guy. He's played yeah. very well. But we'll see. we got to see more of him. And that's the thing. We're going to get to see more of him. That's a good thing. We're going to get to see P.O. Joseph for several weeks now because these injuries keep happening. And the way the Penguins' luck is, knock on wood, they're going to keep happening. Because if we learned anything from last year is that injuries and long-term injuries don't stop if you wear the black and gold. But 
for for Pio Joseph, I'm excited to watch him play some more. I'm excited to see him progress, hopefully. And if he earns a spot, he earns a spot. And I think the door is open for that the way he played in his first three games. Yeah, it's absolutely open. And it's absolutely open because one thing that really shows how good of a player you are is how you step up in this situation exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, here we are. I mean, we said at the beginning of the season, he'll probably get in when injuries pile up. But holy shit, three games in, he's playing. So if he's proven to be well, I mean, I'm not going to be mad if they keep him in the lineup. No, not at all. I love I love watching him play. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. So, like and plus like I said, whatever decision they make, I'll get behind mm-hmm. until it starts getting bad and they continue to make the decision, i.e. Jack Johnson. As long as that shit doesn't happen, we're okay. Well, that is our review of the Pens versus the Bruins on Tuesday. Of course, they play the Bruins once again tonight. At 7 o'clock in Boston, Pens-Bruins game two. Hopefully the Penguins can split the series with Boston and take actually three games and and really split the series, or three points, not three games, with the Boston Bruins. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we will finish off this week with our shout-outs and call-out segment. We'll be right back. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Calling all Jets fans and foodies. What's going on, guys? I'm Brandon Rewicki, the host of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Look, if you love Jets hockey, this is the place for you. In-depth breakdowns from every game, a deep dive into the big plays and moments from Winnipeg's season, and all the Jets talk you will not find anywhere else. We got it for you on Skates and Plates. Plus, if you love carbs and everything tasty, we jump into the world of food as well. Once a week, we also speak with a member of the local culinary scene to highlight their great stories and the great food they put out. So there it is. Hockey, Jets, food, drink, everything good in life it's right here on skates and plates on the hockey podcast network welcome back to the tip of the iceberg home of the team that has not surrendered well they've surrendered points but they have not been taken without points in the last five games that's a good thing that's a good thing Mm -hmm. we take all the victories we can get and that was a small victory on tuesday getting a point out of boston let's hope they get two points out of their game later tonight but shout outs and call outs for what here on the tip of the iceberg season two episode 17 brought to you as always by the hockey podcast network as well as DraftKings. with the super bowl coming up in about a week and a half make sure you go to DraftKings and use our promo code thpn for awesome opportunities on DraftKings sportsbook but horwatt shout outs and call outs and that that one wasn't even needed i just wanted to throw that in there because 
We love our new sponsors of DraftKings. We hope they love us too. But Horowat, get yourself some money. Yeah, there you go. Get your win yourself some money. Do it like Elijah from Stick and Rink and get a fourteen hundred dollar payday out of a twenty dollar bet. Woo! That's not what we're all looking for in life. I'm looking for any kind of money I can get because I low risk, high reward. Exactly, low risk, high reward. Uh, not necessarily because I'm cheap at twenty dollars is still not low risk to me, but. Shoutouts, Horwat. I'll start this week in shoutouts. My shoutout goes to two people, actually. Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler. Both of those guys at UFC 257 turned out impressive performances. Of course, Dustin Poirier is going to take the headlines because he knocked out the unknockoutable in Conor McGregor. Uh, Conor McGregor had never been knocked out before, and Dustin Poirier, although a TKO, he was going to knock him out cold if he would have continued. So a good job by referee Herb Dean to step in there, but... Michael Chandler, on the other hand, he knocked out Dan Hooker in the first round. And Hooker had about a six or seven inch reach advantage. He had about a three or four inch height advantage. You looked at that matchup whenever they stood in the middle of the ring. And yeah, it kind of looked like a mismatch because of how much we know about Hooker and Chandler having his first match in the UFC. But Hooker didn't want to be in that ring once the bell started. It did not look like he wanted any part of Michael Chandler, and I might be reading it wrong, but he stayed on the outside. He circled away. It seemed very tentative by him, and Chandler seemed as comfortable as anybody I've ever seen in that octagon. He went in, one left to the body, and then he just knocked him out cold. So impressive performances by both. I honestly think that should be the title fight for those of you who aren't UFC fans. The 155-pound title is currently held by Khabib Nurmagomedov, who has retired. But out of respect, he has been allowed to keep the belt. It doesn't seem like he's coming back, so they are going to need to make a title match. Why not? These guys are going to be on the same trajectory when it comes to their health-wise. They fought on the same night already. Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler, make that for the belt. I get that there's another guy named Justin Gaethje who does have kind of a claim to that, but make these two for the belt. Let Gaethje get an opportunity after that. Just a shout-out to them because those were two masterful performances this past Saturday. Yeah, those were names that I Yeah, I, I know you're not a big UFC guy, but the, um, I, I geeked out over that weekend. Yeah, I mean, I recognize Poirier's name. I recognize it. That's about it. Uh, and who the hell doesn't know Conor McGregor? I, for one, am not a McGregor guy. Not a fan. So you and must have loved real- seeing that he got knocked out. All the images were popping up on my Twitter timeline. So much fun to see. <laughs> Just him snapping on the on the canvas um, but those other names yeah i don't know any of those other names that you mentioned 2021 but. has been pretty good to us as far as the meme community is concerned we have the bernie sanders in mittens and we have the conor mcgregor getting knocked out so 2021 off to a hot start in the meme category oh, the bernie sanders one's incredible <laughs> um it's and actually it's that that meme itself has raised 1.8 million dollars for charity so there's that hey fun things coming from the sanders community and that meme and all the fun stuff um my shout out uh this is rare write this one down i'm shouting out the san jose sharks for parting ways with fanatics ah it's a recent development i don't know all of the details all i know is i hate fanatics maybe i shouldn't be saying that too out loud but i'm not a fan of fanatics just they've made They've kind of held a monopoly over sports apparel and merch. And it's kind of brutal considering a lot of it is not that nice. I don't like a lot of the designs. It's very all unoriginal. 
I mean, unoriginal is the easy way of doing it because, hey, look, here's a shirt in the style of for your team. Well, guess what? Every team has that same exact style. Now, I don't know the exact logistics or reasoning why they're parting ways, and apparently Fanatics isn't involved with a lot of teams, apparently. I don't know. The whole thing's really weird. Um, but the San Jose Sharks said, we're leaving you after, uh, I think it's halfway through their contract, Ooh. and saying, we're just going to do it on our own. And good for them. That's the way it really should be, if you really think about it. I, I mean, if teams want to get the revenue for it, it's pretty easy to knock. It, it's not pretty easy. But you get a little bit more money if you don't go through a middleman. Now, there's less protections and stuff like that, but that's all business legalese. Again, I will not explain that. But, you know, good for them, thinking on their feet, thinking for themselves. Yeah. I don't mind Fanatics all that much. I do prefer the, the, the authentic jerseys from now from Adidas, which are, mm -hmm. are gorgeous. I don't think there's anything – there's nothing wrong with the Fanatics jerseys. They're a little different, but I still think they're nice. It's, they're, they're it's not so much the jerseys. The wall, yeah, it's not so much the jerseys as it is just all the other merch that is – um, supplied by them it's all very unoriginal it's all very this that and the other and another part of it is i mean that since you're going through fanatics and not the team itself that middle there's that middleman price things yeah. are expensive through fanatics man they are. it's hard they are definitely and, and that's where that's where a lot of our giveaways have come from actually is fanatics the signed pucks that we've given away and i'm sure that'll continue because they do have a lot of good memorabilia as well but it, uh, you're not a fan, that, that's fine. To each their own. It that's just me, and it's... I mean, again, it is just because the stuff gets expensive, the stuff is unoriginal, and the this middleman process kind of sucks. I mean, I and it just feels like they have a, of a, have a monopoly. I used, to, I used to love the days of just going on NHLshop.com. Hmm. That was the site, man. Now you... I, don't, I, don't, I think the site's still there, but it just directs you to fanatics.com, so... No, it's still NHLshop.com, but everything it has a power by fanatics. Correct. I don't know. Correct. That's just my thoughts on it. I mean, I'm not saying they do bad things, but they're not, I'm not the biggest fan, and I'd rather find a jersey on eBay. But that's just me. You're not a fan of monopolies, then here's me, who's probably the biggest fan of anything that Disney does, and Disney is inching <laughs> very close to a monopoly on basically everything they do, which is everything. But yeah, I digress on that point. Let's go yeah. to callouts, Horwat. I'll let you go first because my callout. I I would like to wrap out the show if that's okay with you with this callout that I have. All right, all right. So uh, hopefully, it, uh, I'm calling out the Baseball Hall of Fame and their voters. Ooh, Pete Rose. Is this going to be about Pete Rose? Uh, it's about the fact that no one's getting into the Hall of Fame this year. Uh. They decided against uh, Barry Bonds, Kurt Schilling. I have to pull up the list. I think Omar Vizquel was up there. Um, just a bunch of people that should be in the Hall of Fame and they're not in because the voters don't like them that's the only reason yeah Kurt Schilling had 71.1% of the vote Kurt Schilling's kind of a fence guy when it comes to the Hall of Fame anyway Barry Bonds should be in and you can fight me on that Roger Clemens should be in and you can fight me on that I Scott mean... Rowland, Omar Vizquel Billy Wagner, Todd Helton Andrew Jones should be in, and he just some of the list of names that didn't get in this year. Todd Helton's on the on the ballot. Uh, yeah, and got wow. okay forty four point nine percent of the I voting. Didn't, I didn't think he retired that long ago, but okay, that's fine. But I mean, Barry Bonds, yeah, he 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 was really good as a Pittsburgh Pirate. Trust me, he was fantastic, and that was before 
what, what was that that he did? Oh, oh, steroids. Oh, you know what? I've been hearing a lot of this on Sports Radio recently. Everyone in the league at the time did it. If anything, he made it more evenly stacked. That goes with um, Roger Clemens as well. Yeah, I was about to say also Roger Clemens at the steroids. Yeah. Guess what? Everyone was doing it. That's fine. People that are people that are currently in the Hall of Fame did it. That that's fine and, and all, but don't tell me that there's not a reason that people are voting for them because that is a reason. And some people, they might not have voted for those other guys, but they still got in. I Barry Bonds will get in eventually. I I know you're upset right now or what I know. But uh, I'm, well, first of all, I'm, it's not the fact that just Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and those guys didn't get. It's the fact that no one got in. You couldn't find one person you could all agree on at least. I mean, you put in two last year, and I thought that was low. And I did, that's also because I didn't recognize Larry Walker. I had to look that one up again. <laughs> it was. I think Larry we Walker discussed that Jeter, on here it? actually. He was what? Last year was Derek Jeter, wasn't it? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was the Derek Jeter year. But hey, Larry Walker was there. And listen, if you were he, gonna do two, like if you were gonna do two people. In a year. Don't do it with their... Larry Walker could have waited till this year. Exactly. Let Derek Jeter be the only guy. And I I will say the one thing that does bother me is the fact that nobody will ever get 100% of the vote because Babe Ruth didn't get 100% of the vote. I think that is absolute horse crap because Mariano Rivera, easy, 100% Mm -hmm. of the vote. Jackie Robinson... Uh, or was it Jack? Because Jackie Robinson didn't get it. I don't remember if it was Babe Ruth or Jackie Robinson. Neither, one of them didn't get a hundred percent, which is why nobody will ever vote a hundred percent. I think that's an that that's just a, that's that's an old fashioned boys' club rule that I don't think is some that's people deserve it. Works. Guys like Derek Jeter, who is yeah, I'm biased because he's my favorite baseball player of all time. Guys like Derek Jeter deserve a hundred percent of the vote for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's it's just the fact that. These voters didn't vote these guys in because of their... Oh, there's a legitimate clause that, that these voters are supposed to follow. Mm-hmm. I forget what it is. Um, but that's basically why they couldn't do it. Well, I, I mean, okay, about it's... I forget what the clause is called, but it's basically about being a good person and being a sports... a sport, Having good sportsmanship. All right. Uh, so do we not go down the path of the of how probably outright racist the the Hall of Famers were from the 1910s, 20s, 30s. They had to start putting in, in the Hall of Fame, they had to start putting in little notices like, this person was outright racist and refused to play with people of color. They had to put that on, oh, what's his name? Mountain Landis, probably the original commissioner of baseball. Mm -hmm. They had to put that on his plaque. If you're not letting people in because of you don't like them as your voter, fuck off. Because there's going to be people you don't like doing great things, especially in sports. You might not agree with what Kurt Schilling has to say on certain things. He got the highest amount of the vote this year. I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but when it comes to the sport they played, he was damn good, apparently. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm off my pedestal. The only Hall of Fame, and I want to see all of them. I, I really, I want to go see every professional sports Hall of Fame. The only one I've seen so far is I made the trek to Canton to look at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is absolutely amazing. The next one, I will go see the Pro Hockey Hall of Fame. Yep. 
whenever the border opens up again and whenever COVID protocols are safe, because I've been wanting to do that for so many years. And I've said that probably a million times on the <laughs> show. So people are probably rolling their eyes at me right now, but the baseball hall of fame has always kind of been on the back burner to me just because I have, I have a pin collection of all the hall of famers and trust me, it is very hard to find those now because of how many people, but at the same time, I'm not too invested in Hall of Fame. Hockey Hall of Fame, I am. Pro Football Hall of Fame, I am. I'm very happy that Troy Polamalu got in. That made me very happy because he was my favorite football player of all time. So it's Polamalu and Jeter for those keeping score at home on, on Berlansky bingo. But you know, the Baseball Hall of Fame, it, it's a lot more politics than anything else. Yeah, it, it is. And for what it's worth... I think, I mean, I could be wrong and may, and might just be saying this because I was a huge baseball fan growing up and um, used to carry around a book of all the Hall of Famers. Um, I think the Baseball Hall of Fame is probably the most notable Hall of Fame. It's the first, I believe, right, from what I remember. Like, it opened and set standard in, 19, in the 30s. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, I mean... Where was I going with this? <laughs> Most notable Hall of Fame, which I I do kind of disagree with at the, at this stage of the world. I think the Pro Football Hall of Fame probably oh, etches it out. I now. mean, I just think that it means more to get in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I mean, yeah, it sucks that they're not letting anyone in, but I mean, you it's the only Hall of Fame that you go in with a team, isn't it? Because you're wearing your team hat in the in the. In it's the, the only one where it's evident in your plaque. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because the pro football um, is just busts, and the hockey Hall of Fame is just, like I believe, pictures, picture. headshots. Yeah, headshot. And don't get me wrong, I, I just think that's a really cool aspect of it. That's just me though. It's that you're getting remembered for being on a specific team, and like the Hall of Famer gets to pick the team. But I mean, it's all just really cool stuff. And for me, it just I, I get maybe some Hall of Fames get saturated, and they're gonna get saturated as time goes on, just with more and more people. But some people are deserving, and damn it, there's people deserving this year. If you really wanted no one to go in this this year, Don't maybe you should have put Pete. Maybe you should have put Pete Rose and Shoeless Joe in. That's just me. Pete, you know you're not supposed to be in the hall. I will always love that commercial. I think that is the most sarcastic, fantastic commercial ever. And we are getting close to the Super Bowl, which I love Super Bowl commercials. I hope they are pretty good this year. But my call out to finish off this week and finish off this show is actually AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. I am calling them out for changing the Subway sandwich of the game to the Edgar Snyder and Associates hit of the game. Oh, okay. Like Edgar Snyder and his smug face isn't on enough shit in the city of Pittsburgh. And isn't on enough... We see his commercial three out of the four commercial breaks for every period of every Penguins game. Him and Chris Letang switching helmets or playing bubble hockey. I see it all the time. He's on bus stops everywhere. Nothing against Edgar Snyder, but why are we taking away? I I know why, because they didn't pay enough money. But Subway sandwich of the game, first of all, it it rolls off the tongue a lot better than this is the Edgar Snyder and Associates hit of the game. Like, you didn't even keep it. The Subway sandwich, at least it was a a multi-purpose word that you put in there. But the, the hit of the game, you couldn't have said, like, something else i don't know it was just i don't know it bothered me because i just i wanted my subway sandwich of the game i'm a subway fan 
I like the Subway sandwich of the game. It's been that way for as long as I can remember. Yeah. This is a very pointless argument that I'm making, a very pointless rant. But you know what? Sometimes to decompress, you just got to do some pointless stuff. And I am mad that it is now the <laughs> Edgar Snyder and Associates hit of the game. It just does not sound good, does not look good. They're not going to change it back. But at least I can't get too mad because they did change back to Party Hard. So, Yeah, it the the hit of the game it, it needed a slogan didn't it like mm-hmm. injured on the job i mean it, it's all right there that because was, it's an that's all you exactly. need to say the edgar snyder injured on the job of the night like exactly because it's all right there it's an insurance company that works with that sort of deal i see where you're coming from mm-hmm. i didn't even notice it i kind of oh overheard. i noticed it i i and as soon as i noticed it i was writing it down in my notes i was mad i was like oh you've gone too far you have gone way too far, AT and T. Because you're missing. I'll have out to text on... Steve Mears and be like, "Hey, did did you have a part in this?" Because did... you're missing out on Bob Airy say sandwich. And, and missing out on Bob Airy claim that he eats Subway, which he, he might not. He might. I don't know. He said, "Oh, that's a that's like a foot long tur- torpedo." I don't know. It, it it it's another thing to get him flustered. Now it's just he just says, "Oh, the Edgar Snyder Associates hit of the game," and then he's like. I'm just going to not say anything because I can't make a dad joke about this. And, and Bob Barry's dad jokes are 90% of the reason I like listening to him. But yeah, but again, I mean, <laughs> maybe they'll, maybe they'll add a slogan. Maybe it'll change. It's like, it's still early in the season. Like maybe the, you'll get the, the injured on the job situation. So who knows? I didn't even notice that. I mean, like I said, I've been working. So I, I, I just want to see a game, man. I want to see a game beginning to end. That's just me. You just got to call in sick one day, just when there's a game you really want to see. Just be like, I'm sick, I can't do it, even though you're working from home. I should be able to get a weekend game in eventually. It really doesn't look like it, does it? (laughs) Oh my god. That is it for this week's both episodes of the Tip of the Iceberg. Let's hope the Penguins can get back on the winning track tonight against the Boston Bruins before heading to New York, the Big Apple, and taking on the New York Rangers, who they beat twice last weekend. But that is going to be it. We'll see you guys next week. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.